Hello everyone, it is the Video Game Fury Podcast here as always, and I am your host Tim Robinson here. It is Monday, December 31st, 2018. I'm here as always to give you the latest in the video game news, scoops, industry chat, playthroughs, and the continuing adventures of me studying and learning the game dev craft. we got a jam-packed episode for you today, folks, here, as we are in the last day of 2018. Just a few hours till 2019 kicks off there. I hope you guys have had a really great holiday. Um, just a lot of great stuff to talk about as we close the year here. I'll get to that a little bit later as we talk a little bit about state of the industry and the state of myself, too, here. Just kind of give you some, uh, some updates going on in my life and what I'm looking forward to, hopefully 2019. But for now, we still got a countdown to wrap up. This is the Game of the Year countdown here for 2018. The last couple of episodes were focused on number three and number two. If you want to go check those out in the feed and find out what those were, go ahead and do that and go to your podcast service, look, download those, listen to those, give me opinions, and see what you think about the, the, the first two games so far. But we're going to get right into the, the top game of the year, folks. Again, just a, a reminder from the last couple of shows, this is really just based on what I've played personally. I'm not a full-time rep in the video game industry. I don't get all review codes like a lot of the, the critics do. So I don't have the uh, ability to really comment on a lot of the big games of 2018 that came out, just the ones I was able to have time for. So just that caveat to get out there, just in case you wonder why I picked the past two games that I did and why I picked this number one game of all time. But if we're really being honest, I, I think the consensus, whether you're uh, reading off someone's website or listening to a podcast or just reading a Reddit forum, I think the consensus on this number one pick is pretty well agreed upon, uh, just with all the awards and all the ratings it got. Um, not that I'm trying to be skewed by any of that here, it just it just was a game that hands down from beginning to end uh really took away my breath <laughs> for lack of better words hence why I'm losing my breath but anyway let's 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 reveal what that is in the next segment ladies and gentlemen boys and girls the number one game of the year 2018 for video game fury here is none other than god of war from Sony Santa Monica Studios, exclusive to PS4. Corey Barlog and her team just did an amazing job of this direction that the franchise had taken. It could have been very simple. I was a big fan of the, the original trilogy that came out across PS2, PS3, a couple of the games that came out on Vita and PSP that eventually got remade onto the consoles were pretty good as well. It was a great style for what it was, of uh, just barbaric and the fighting styles were just brutal as you played those old games on the old generations the one thing you can definitely say though about that those games that as fun as an action games they were and, and being able to just stomp through the whole greek pantheon of gods uh playing as as kratos as your main character the one thing i could say that probably a lot of people would say is that kratos was probably not the most sympathetic character to play as um you know, he he clearly was a god who did a lot of things wrong, <laughs> was was very arrogant in his ways, and maybe that is kind of the, the character development of who he is, that he's just a, an angry person who it feels betrayed left and right, but at the end of the day, he's, this is a guy who was one note, 
in the way he was depicted. Uh, and it was really a means to just be an agent of chaos, which is very fitting considering he has the blades of, blades of chaos on his arms throughout that time. So as fun as the game was here, you, you can't really say much about Kratos being a likable character, even if that was the intention from the Santa Monica teams throughout the many years this, this game was supported. And as God of War 3 came to a close, I think this was about 2011 or 12, one of those two years, um, you know, it was great, but people, I think, were ready to put it aside for now, to not um, handle that kind of gameplay anymore. Uh, I think Kratos kind of hit hit a wall in terms of just his one-note characterization. Uh, you kind of saw that. They tried to, like, even capitalize that further by doing another prequel with God of War Ascension a couple of years later. Um, and it really didn't... It, it got a lot of mediocre reviews. It just became more of the same and... People have just basically thought there was not a compelling reason to go back into that universe when the story was already settled in God of War 3. So needless to say, the franchise was put to rest, and for a while we kind of thought it was going to be gone for for, for long being here. Enter Cory Barlog. He, uh, from what I remember, he, uh, he did leave Sony Santa Monica for a while there, but... Uh, during his time away, he had to come back to the studio and made a pitch to the Sony Brass about trying to revive the God of War brand and franchise, but do it in a completely different direction than what we were used to seeing in, in the previous God of War games. And there's a l there's few articles on that out there. None, none really come to mind right now. I think um, Polygon Kotaku has probably some of that information if you want to kind of get the backstory on that. But it was a struggle, I think, for Barlog to get that um, vision enabled to allow Sony to greenlight uh, the funding and publishing needed to get this game out there. I'm sure they thought it kind of ran its course after having got a war for at least 10, 15 years. So it was, it was a hard sell for them there. And uh, there was rumors that there was a demo that they did during the course of development that almost didn't go well. And, and Sony was ready to pull the plug on it there, but Corey and team pushed hard to address a lot of the issues and the direction they were going. And we got the reveal of the game at E3 2016, very bravado intro to the show, orchestra playing the, the theme song to the game, and then Barlog himself playing through the demo there. And it was, it was a wild transformation there. I mean, first they had brand new voice actor taking on uh, Kratos uh, he has a son, Atreus, that is like his companion piece throughout the game. Um, the camera was over the shoulder, kind of similar to Resident Evil 4, and it was hugging with you and going with you throughout the approach. And as we learn over time, up until the game's release and playthrough, that this was their one-camera approach initiative. Um, if you remember the old God of War games, there was like a camera spanning everywhere. It would go in and out and go different places to get the right angle, When it came, to, especially when it came to a pretty epic slash cinematic battle that the God of War series is known for. But they took a bold approach using just one camera to uh, zoom in on the, the walking and the action and then uh, pan it around when there was like a big cinematic scene. I mean, that's a pretty bold move. And I think people are going to emulate that pretty well, for, especially for the single-player campaigns. What they really achieved, though, with this game is masterful. I mean, to, let's be clear. I mean, this is not an innovative game in any sense. It's not 
breaking new ground. I mean, other if you want to say the one camera approach was pretty bold, uh, knowing you know sometimes especially someone who works in game dev here knows that uh, there are a lot of cameras that they tell you to use to get the best angles in the game. But to use the one camera approach uh, to zoom in and, and and pan around was pretty bold, in my opinion. What this game achieved, though, going to my earlier statement about Kratos, is that Kratos has now become a likable character. You, and I'm, I'm going to avoid spoilers as much as I can, because, you know, even though the game came out last April, this past April, uh, I would like to think some of you are prob- probably waited for some deals like Black Friday to, before you got your hands on it there, so I'll avoid spoilers as much as I can. But he became a much more likable character, and you can see... As he goes into this new pantheon, he's in the, the Norse world right now, taking on a son named Atreus. Uh, it looked like uh, his wife had passed away, and the, the mission for them is to uh, go and distribute her ashes uh, across the highest mountain. It really is a very... That's the one thing that's interesting about this game. It's a very simple game in terms of the plot. I mean, all it is is that you need to get sh- your, your wife's, wife's ashes and distribute them across the mountain, and that's it. There's really nothing grand or epic. There's no world-destroying scenario going on here like it was when Zeus was around or when the Titans were around in the first set of God of War games. It really is just that simple story of a father and son, you know, mourning in their own way, but their dynamic was just incredible to watch as you went across this new Norse world. Uh, From the very beginnings of, you know, Kratos trying to relate to his son, and not really understanding the right way to do it. I mean, you got to remember, this is a guy uh, in the original game who was uh, in control of the Spartan army, um, was just an adrenaline-filled madman, and it, it got to the point that he ended up slaying his own family in those games. So he really doesn't know what it is to be a father in this game, and I think it, it shows well here. And if, again, if you read the backstory here, Barlog will tell you that he emulates a lot of the story based on his own relationship with his own son, not knowing what to do, being a new parent, uh, trying to figure out the best way to raise him. Uh, There's a lot of that he put into Kratos in this new vision of the character. And I think that is one of the big selling points of this series, is just that relationship between Kratos and Atreus. And just the fact that Kratos became a much more relatable human being. Or God still. He is still the God of War in this game. But you get what I'm getting at. So the story-wise, as, as simple as it you drill down to here, it does, of course, get you introduced. I mean, that's the selling point of the series, of being being able to use Kratos and to interact with the pantheon of the many different gods here. And obviously, being in Norse mythology, again, not really spoiling, you do get to uh, explore that a little more. Now, maybe not maybe not as much as the old games did, although I, I would imagine, I mean, as, as critically acclaimed and the big selling game this was, you would imagine there is definitely going to be sequels sometime down the road. Beyond that, though, the gameplay, I mean, people thought that there was something weird going on when they saw the Leviathan Axe make its appearance during the E3 demo. Like, hey, where's the, the Blades of Chaos? What's going on here? I mean, this is his bread and butter here. And there's storyline reasons for that, and you'll you'll get to that when you when you get into the game. Again, I don't want to spoil but man, that Leviathan axe just feels so good. And like when you're, when you're whipping it and you know cleaving people's heads in the game there, and the best part is even throwing the axe because you can call it back here. And every time you call back that axe, it just you feel the woof, like the whoop hitting your hand there 
as you're holding on to that controller. I mean, they they nailed the sensitivity of working with that axe so well and, and just calling it just the action the simple action of calling that axe back is amazing it just feels so right and i can only imagine how much time they spent at santa monica studio just trying to perfect that it's amazing and it, it, the leviathan axe is definitely a welcome addition to kratos's arsenal as he fights to the norse gods and the, and the pantheon Presentation-wise, is a God of War game in itself, even though we're we're now dealing with a one-camera approach as opposed to panning in and out. I mean, definitely, and there's definitely there's a lot fewer boss battles this time around. Although I would say when you do get into a boss battle, it is pretty epic, as the series is well known for. So I, I think they play with the camera very well, and just the presentation of the battles. I mean, there's there's a couple of them that even get into like superhero battle approaches with you know fist to fist. That are just amazing. I mean, whoever uh, is the director of like choreography or cinematography in there deserves a mm-hmm. pat in the back and then some for that. I just really can't see anything bad about this game. The pacing is just well. I mean, it's not it's not really open world per se. Like this game can you know even with without the side quests you can get through pretty well in like thirty forty hours. You know maybe an extra ten if you do go through the side quest. Uh, I would highly recommend going through those Valkyrie quests. Um, every one of those battles is a huge challenge in itself, but not so much to the point that it gets too frustrating. The Valkyrie ones, I think, are the standouts for me as far as side quest go. You really just cannot go wrong with this game here. Presentation-wise, controls, gameplay, acting, voice acting, stories, plot, progression. I mean, it is a reason. it's a big reason, as much as a lot of people were thinking Red Dead Redemption 2 was going to sweep the awards, uh, the Game Awards this year, you know, and they did get a few awards in, in terms of the, the story and acting, but just in terms of pure overall gameplay, I just feel like God of War just did everything for me. Um, it, it says to a point there when your own wife is making popcorn <laughs> or making nachos and spinach dip and, and sitting there watching you play because she thinks she's watching a movie. I mean, that that's how much of an impact this game has had. So I, I it definitely deserves all the awards it's getting. Uh, and again, I... You know, everything is subjective to people there. I know a lot of people think whenever a Rockstar game comes out, it's just going to win right away. And it really just comes down to what your preference is. If you guys think Red Dead Redemption, Red Dead Redemption 2 is your game of the year, all more power to you. Full disclosure, I didn't play it yet. I did get it for Christmas, but that's a game that's probably not going to be played for a good while. <laughs> just uh, like I mentioned last time, I, I just got through Shadow of the Tomb Raider and started going into Spider-Man, so that is a game will take up its time before I get into other games like that. And even Assassin's Creed Odyssey, which we really haven't talked about at all during this Game of the Year edition. Another game I didn't get to play much, but I've heard so many great things about it. It's just something I couldn't qualify into this countdown if I haven't played it myself. So that is it, folks. God of War, the, re- the revamped, the re-envisioned God of War uh, is your game of the year for 2018 here on Video Game Fury. Again, kudos, major kudos to Corey Barlog and the whole Santa Monica studio team. I mean, I mean, we haven't seen a God of War game in the main franchise for five, six years. I can only imagine, you know, the struggle, the pain, and the sacrifice, and the crunch too, like any other game studio goes through to get a game out on a release schedule had to go through to get this vision to come true the hype definitely built up when it was shown in e3 2016 it only built its way up into the release come this past april and i think they did a hell of a job i i 
I wish the best for whatever Santa Monica studio is doing next. One would imagine that they're going to continue the story there. Um, if you follow Corey Warlock's Twitter, uh, he's had some other ideas of potentially what he may do next. Uh, it really, the world is their oyster at this point. Uh, they are on a cloud nine with the success, both critically and financially, they gave here. And I'm sure Sony will give them carte blanche and as much freedom as they can to come up with another great vision, whether that's God of War 2 or if they want to pivot a different direction. It's a great time for these guys, and we, we need studios like this to continue to push the medium, especially in terms of storytelling. So congratulations to Corey, to Santa Monica Studio, to Sony, uh, and to the whole God of War team. Your game of the year, 2018. And there you have it, folks. God of War is your game of the year for 2018 right here at Video Game Fury. Really just another great year, 2018 in general, for games. Now, again, of course, I have actually got to play a lot of them who would, considering I only do this stuff part-time, and gaming-wise, it's just hard to do that with a job and family and all. But, you know, just keeping track of the industry in general here. Some would say, obviously, it's not the banner year that 2017 had. I mean, there, there seemed to be, like, a major game coming out almost every month in the year of 2017, whether you were uh, or a fan of Nintendo's new product of the Switch with two big games like Zelda Breath of the Wild and Mario Odyssey. Um, you know, they alone had, like, almost a big game coming out almost every month. And then you had staples like, you know, Horizon Zero Dawn coming out, Persona 5, um... Resident Evil Seven, and you know the, the 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 big ones, obviously Call of Duty, and uh, you know people can make up a case for Battlefront Two, but the microtransaction controversy stained that quite a bit. It was a banner year, twenty seventeen. A lot of discussion, and I think you know we're at that apex now where all these dev studios are really just familiar with their products, with with their dev kits for Xbox, for PlayStation, and for Switch that we are just getting a, a gluttony of quality games. And while 2018 didn't have that kind of outputs that 2017 had, I would not discount the major games that just are incredible to look at. I mean, we've already talked about God of War to death. Nothing else needs to be said about what it did, what it did not just to reinvent the God of War franchise, but just a complete game from story to gameplay to controls, presentation, just... Flat out classic all year out, and then you have games like Spider Man too. Uh, I'm I'm rolling through that right now here, and then once again another Sony first person uh, f exclusive franchise uh, from the guys from Insomniac. You know, once once again, just proving that you know Sony knows the commitment they need to make to these first party studios if they want to, you know, not only um, get the best quality that they can from these studios, but you know, it's clear their goal. By having these guys on here, whether whether you're Naughty Dog, whether you're Insomniac, uh, Sucker Punch, uh, Santa Monica Studios, they're here to drive the, the console sales of PlayStation. And clearly, PS4 is a runaway winner. Everyone's saying the console cycle is going to be coming to an end, most likely within probably the next year, year and a half. It's pretty safe to say that PS4 uh, is going to win out as far as consoles sold. Uh, they had this down to a T. They put the commitment into these studios. And it's just um, it's impressive to see how much PlayStation uh, uh, continues to drive and just be the, the trendsetter that they've always been these last 20, 25 years. It's not to say they haven't had their bumps. Um, you know, we, we always talk about 
PS3 then stumbled out of the game because lots of people said they got arrogant with the dominance they had during PS2. And they, while they eventually got back to standards in the end of the PS3 cycle, it was too late for them to really catch up with the 360. So that will, we'll talk about that. We're doing a separate show on what to look ahead to in 2019. But you, you, it, it's an example that not every company is perfect in this aspect. Even Sony itself here has gotten some black eyes for a while, particularly in the crossplay standpoint, which was another big thing here as we talk about state of the industry. I mean, it was a big subject at E3 earlier this year when it came to fruition when uh, that Epic announced, uh, or rather Nintendo announced that Fortnite was coming to Switch day and dates uh, during the E3. And as users logged in and came to realize that if they had played it on PS4 standpoint, they had to create a brand new account on their Switch, which means they couldn't carry over any of their progress, any of the items they earned through Battle Pass or you know just buying it themselves with their own money through microtransactions, didn't carry over. And it created a whole huge controversy that... You know, Sony was just not supporting crossplay because they were in the lead. They didn't feel any justification to do so when they're in the lead, and uh, it, it was it was hammering down on them for the longest time, until finally, I want to say a couple of months ago, they said that they have released the crossplay format into beta, and they're going to test that out and see how it goes. But they seem to have relented uh, after months of controversy coming from that. Um, so there's that there too. I mean, my, my honest opinion, crossplay is nice and all here, it, 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 but it's really more for uh, you guys out there that love doing the multiplayer formats uh, much more. I, I tend to be more single player focused. I drop into Fortnite or Overwatch for like a quick bite of gameplay just in case I want to do something really quick. But you know, either here or there, I'm 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 not trying to take away the happiness for you guys if you are excited to see crossplay finally happen across every major console. So kudos to you guys here, but it speaks again that Sony will still, and I guess you really can't blame them in a way because you know, like any other, when the, whoever is the leader in a certain generation, they do tend to think and potentially get complacent. I mean, we looked at how Microsoft was when they eventually launched into Xbox One, and they didn't seem to want to relent on their whole all-in-one entertainment service policy when the, you know, the Kinect was being shoved down our throats. They, they seemed to be more focused on building an entertainment system for your TV or for your cable or for your streaming apps than really focusing on the games. And be that as it may, they probably were too early in the game to do that because that seems to be <laughs> the way we're going to go anyway into the next console generation. But it, it, it showed a lot at the time at Microsoft was arrogant and thought they could lead the way and just do their own thing without focusing on why gamers should be playing and why why gamers come to these consoles in the first place, which is the games. And eventually, they helped correct course. Phil Spencer obviously did a lot of things this year to try to correct that. And I think even at this point, especially if you look at their E3 conference early this summer, they're setting up for the future already. They've conceded that there's just no way, even if they haven't explicitly said it, there's just no way they're going to catch up to PS4. And I think it's bold. I think it's it's smart. They, they they obviously realized they made a mistake when they launched the system. But you gotta give them you gotta give them credits for a great showing E3 and the commitment to, you know, they realized Sony had the right idea when it came to having more first party support under their belts. I mean for the longest time the only things you would get consistently first party wise for Xbox were Halo, 
Gears of War, and Forza. Fable was once a thing, but as soon as the Fable Legends game, uh, they came to realize it wasn't going to work out the way they wanted. They shut that project down. They shut down Lionhead Studios, and the rumors that um, the recently acquired uh, Playground Games, who do the Forza Horizon games, are going to be working on that Fable open world project next. And just even the combine then with all the other different studios they have under their belt. They announced their own new studio in Santa Monica called The Initiative. They bought Compulsion Games, the guys who do We Happy Few. Um, there was one other studio, I don't know their name, but they made the State of the Case series. And they have Ninja Theory. I mean, my God. I mean, the guys who made the uh, the revamped DMC and one of my favorite games last year in Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice. I mean, that's the kind of storyteller uh, franchise and studio that you want to have under your belts. And with the kind of budget these guys get, I'm very excited to see what Ninja Theory can do with an actual full budget. Uh, they did an incredible job of Hellblade knowing that they didn't have a lot of money to work with. I mean, the game would... You would be mistaken to think that this was a AAA game, but they did not have that kind of budgets that major studios could do to make that. And I think that's a credit to how they work under limitations so just imagine how ninja theory will be without those limitations it's incredible to think about and then of course later this year they kept going they bought obsidian who just announced uh, and, uh i think it's the uh outer world game which i don't think is going to be exclusive to microsoft because i think this is something that they agreed to doing before microsoft purchased them but having obsidian under your belts uh, the guys who make night of the old republic 2 or uh, uh the, the pillars of eternity series is incredible I mean, Microsoft is definitely setting themselves up for a very great future. And to tag along that with all the different services they have, whether it's the backwards compatibility with all their old games, the Game Pass is like getting a ton of steam. I mean, day and date games when they come out and you only have to pay $10 a month. I mean, everyone's doing the Netflix model when it comes to subscription service here. And I think Microsoft was smart to get on that bandwagon and introduce Game Pass to the world. So while we can... Flagged them, obviously, for not having a lot of quality first-party titles. I mean, they had first-party titles this year, let's be honest. They had Sea of Thieves, State of Decay 2, um, and Forza Horizon 4. Forza, of course, is, uh, has always been a big staple for them and continues to be incredible. I'm not a driving fan myself, but the guys who are fans of these games continue to praise the Forza franchise. And, you know, Playground Games know, knows what they're doing with that, which is why it's a pretty wise purchase for Microsoft. Um, you know, State of Decay 2, I heard, had its bugginess, so they'll seem, people seem to enjoy that quite a bit, too, when it came out. Sea of Thieves, kind of the same belt here. Uh, it's one of the, and the thing about these games is that a lot of people are realizing that, you know, in the games of a service world, that you can never count out these games in the initial launch. You definitely want to see them come out of the gate strong, but if we have any indication of how Ubisoft's games, games like Rainbow Six Siege and For Honor tend to be when they launched pretty badly. If they stay committed to the work and want to improve it and take on feedback and make it to a better game in the next 6 to 12 months, they can do it and it will turn out much better for them in the long run, which is definitely the case with those games. And I think if uh, you know Microsoft and Rare are committed to uh, continuing to support Sea of Thieves, which I think they are with uh, some DLC content... You know, it, it could still have the, the the player base that they're looking for. And uh, I got to give credit to people like that who uh, can stay with them in the long run. And I can't blame them when they've worked on so many years on that game. They don't just want to outright abandon it just because it didn't launch really well on release. That ramble aside, I think Microsoft, while they 
have conceded that they're not going to win this generation. They have set themselves up with a very, very good future a future going into 2020 or something, whatever the next console cycle is. I think it's going to be... I think they're going to turn the tide pretty well. And then, of course, we've got Nintendo Switch. 2017 was a banner year for them. And how can you blame them when they have two major franchises in Zelda and Mario coming out the same year? Bookending is it, too, basically. Zelda, of course, coming out during the launch of the Switch and Mario ending the year during the holidays with Mario Odyssey. And it, they didn't stop there. In 2017, they just, like... I mean, my God. I mean, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, Splatoon 2... Um, you know all the big indie games that were coming out here. I mean, it the the conversation changed when it came to indie releases, where you would go to either Steam or your PS4 to download these games to going to Steam and Switch. And uh, all the rumors and indications I hear, even the the ones that were re released on the system, older games like Undertale, Hyperlight Drifter, Hollow Knight, and so on, said they've got a nice boost in sales just because of the fact that they released on Switch. So Switch, in my mind, has now become the indie console of choice. And who can blame them? I mean, a console that you could play as docked, but its selling point is being able to take it on the go. And that's been that's my selling point, being able to take my Switch on the plane and having a good console-like experience while I'm flying is incredible. It's something you just you take for granted and you don't think about much because, I mean, we've had handheld gaming, particularly you know with Nintendo with all their consoles, for a good 20-plus years. But now we've got console-level graphics and quality that we could take on the go, too. Uh, it's just a, it's a great time to be in. Having said that, though, we're talking about 2018, not 2017. And like any console, you tend to have that software slump when you put out the most of your load in the beginning of the, of the, of the console's life cycle. And obviously, we weren't going to get another major Zelda and Mario game this year. But... You know, we're obviously all in the, the hype of the last two big releases that Nintendo had in the holidays, those games being the two Pokemon Let's Go games and Super Smash Bros. Ultimates that bookended the, the end of the year. Doing really well for them, really great reviews, and helping to boost the sales of the Switch. You really couldn't make that case in the beginning of the year, though, and I think this just speaks to what I said earlier. They came out strong on the gate here, but it once again really just tells you that Nintendo continues to struggle in the the first the the third party support. You know, you know what you're gonna get from first party, whether you're a Zelda fan, Mario fan, uh Metroid Prime 4, it continues to be a discussion as the next big release from Nintendo. No one doubts Nintendo first party can put out a quality game. It's just the amount of the outputs that is the concern. And this year, you can make a case. I mean, they had a couple of nice games to come out. They had a Kirby game early in the year. They had Mario Tennis Aces during the summer. So they had some things to hold things over there. But really, if you only think about it there, I mean, most of the stuff is the Wii U ports. They they, they ported over uh, Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze, Captain Toad Treasure Hunter. And I could kind of see it because Wii U was a disaster for them. Did not sell well, did not have a great install base. They've already eclipsed the install base of Wii U with the Switch in one year during as, as opposed to Wii U, which took like four or five years to get to that install base they got, which is really sad for the Wii U, but we all know why it didn't work. 
So I could see in a way why they wanted to bring it over here because probably a lot of people didn't experience some pretty quality games. I mean, Donkey Kong and, and Captain Toad were pretty good games. It's just that probably not a lot of people got to play it. So I don't blame them for bringing those over and exposing it to this newer, wider audience that may not have had a Wii U. It just, you know, if you're talking about something new and original, you weren't getting that through a Wii U port. Let's just be honest there. So they, they had some doldrums through their, their second year here, particularly the first half of the year. Uh, but their indie support continued to go strong. Um, you know, the, it's the third parties that need to really come up to bat here. And when we get when we get into our next episode about what 2019 looks like for the Switch, we'll potentially see maybe some of that will change. Um, but I think, you know, Switch, it wasn't a disaster that... I think people were expecting when it came to a sophomore slump, but they, and obviously, again, having a huge game in Smash Brothers uh, and the Pokemon games will definitely help them out uh, throughout the the remainder of the holiday and into the, the end of the fiscal year next year. But uh, it was a, it was definitely a challenge, and no, I don't think anyone really expected them to repeat the huge, huge success that their uh, freshman year was with Switch. But it's still a great console to have. It's still... My go-to to bring with me on on flights or train trips, uh, to catch up on those kind of games, and it's you know again it's a, it, they did the job of the indies when I used to get that stuff on PS4. I now want to play it on my Switch. I just feel like it's the console to do it. So that is your state of the industry of this year, folks. Um, again, a great year for games. Again, probably not at that level of 2017, but again, we're we're at the apex of this generation, and we we know that. It's going to be wrapping up very soon. And again, you'll see in the next episode, hopefully what that 2019, probably the last great year of big games coming out. We'll see what that looks like come to fruition before probably the big expectation in 2020 when the next consoles get released. Last thing I want to share, folks, here as we head into the final day of 2018 and get into 2019, just kind of want to share some personal feelings about, you know, my podcast itself here as well. Don't don't worry. This is not me calling for the end of my show. Um, you know, for me, I would love a lot of the interaction in the show. Uh, one of the things that drives me is having conversations with people and just getting their takes on certain things, whether it's games they play or some topics in the news. Uh, even if I may be wrong about certain things, I love having those conversations. And, you know, I'm, I'm hoping as we get into 2019 that we can uh, – talk a little bit more in this conversation and maybe maybe that's just something i got to think about more in terms of how to reach out to you guys uh you know i'm sure it's a struggle to get on anchor which is where you would do a lot of your call-ins uh, to come in and share your thoughts on the matter here uh, we can easily just download it onto your your pocket service itunes google play whatever and i don't want to force you guys to think that you have to you know call in and share something all the time uh, it's just something that drives me, and I hope that I can address more because I, I love having conversations with people and addressing uh, the topics of mine when it comes to video games. So I, I say that because, I mean, I haven't really gotten too much feedback on that or a lot of call-ins there or a lot of write-ins, and maybe that's just something I need to think about more in terms of marketing to you guys and, and being more active on social media. Um, you know, I, I, But my main goal definitely going into next year is to make you guys a lot more part of the conversation. Uh, I think, you know, video games are at a great time right now. I, I do believe it's like the best medium out there in entertainment. It, it's, it eclipses way past TV, movies, 
novels at this point. They still have their their good things. Uh, I like to read. I like to watch Netflix and all that. But just having the interactivity of being in these games as opposed to passive, which is what you'd be doing if you're watching a movie, energizes me. And it's something I want to share with you guys in terms of my passion and getting you guys involved in that conversation. So I hope next year that I'll be a little more... uh, you know, aware of what what you guys are, are looking to talk about here, particularly around games, and do what I can to market out to you guys and uh, see what it is you want to discuss. And the other thing, too, for me, of course, is the game dev aspect. So you've, you've heard me, if you've been a long-time listener to the show, you know that every intro I do here uh, is basically explaining what the show is about. We talk about what's going on in the news in gaming. We talk about some of the games I've been playing and what I think about them, good or bad. And the last thing I always talk about is that I share with you guys the journey of me studying and learning the game dev craft because I am, or I have been for a couple of years, exploring game development on the side working in the unity engine looking at other theories and classes and so on to expand on that knowledge here and um the year kicked off pretty well 2018 for me i did the huge global game jam uh that is a uh, pretty prevalent in our space basically basically taking a weekend to team up with some people work on a game for 48 hours and you know based on a certain theme and we present it we whoever wins gets some nice prizes but overall it's just the thrill of being able to collaborate with some people uh work on some ideas and uh you know just just build up your repertoire it was exciting for me in the beginning of 2018 to be a part of that it was the first time i did it loved it and you know it really uh it really pushed me to my potential to keep learning more as the year goes by unfortunately for me Probably would say the last half of this year is where things got pretty challenging for me. Um, as you guys know, this is not what I do full time. Uh, I work in uh, I work in ad tech, uh, so uh, a lot of work is involved in that. And especially during that fourth quarter of the year here, the things you think you probably see a lot of during the fourth quarter, especially on the holiday period, is hey, there's a lot of shopping going on. <laughs> there's people going on. Uh, going to malls and going to Amazon and taking advantage of Black Friday and Cyber Monday deals here. So the ad tech industry gets pretty hot in that period with every client we work with uh, wanting to do better advertising. And, uh, you know, unfortunately for me, that sucks up a great amount of my time. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love my job and everything. I don't want to, you know, take that away from anything here. But it does take up a good amount of time that um, I can't, really allocate to something like game dev as much and then having a family too is a is important in my life as well so we had a lot of that going on and unfortunately you know something had to take a hit for me and unfortunately that was game dev you know otherwise i mean i would dabble into you know i would check up on what's going on in unity and their blogs and take a look at the the next releases that they were giving out and see some of their keynotes but i wasn't really actively putting a lot into game dev and i feel like for you guys who are on the show and have subscribed to the show and want to learn more about what is a day in the life of someone studying game dev what are some interesting things about game dev that you can share i failed you guys on that and it's going to take me a little while to think about how i'm going to approach this in 2019 do i want to continue to pursue this do i have enough time to really do it it's um it's a hard thing to think about right now, but I I can't I can't just give it up. Uh, I mean when I first took that class in 
2017, I went to Playcrafting, which which does a lot of the work for teaching courses and stuff like Unity on Unreal. Uh, it opened my mind to so many things and potential, and I appreciated it. It was intense. I had to make a game in two weeks, so my first first going there, which was quite experience itself, but I uh, I enjoyed every second of it there, and I didn't want it to stop. It's just that life sometimes gets in the way <laughs> and stops you from pursuing it further. But that all said, I, I do I, I can't just give it up. I mean, it's in my blood. I, I just love learning the stuff. And when, when I, one thing you should know about me, when I'm into something, I want to know everything about it. Uh, I, I, it's like this with me. I mean, one of my first loves is Star Wars. When I was first introduced to those movies by my parents uh, at a very young age, it was the, just knowing the movies were out there were not enough. I needed to read the comic books. I needed to read the novels. Uh, and believe me, there was a long period between the original... Star Wars movies before we got those crappy prequels that uh, we didn't have a lot of uh, that content to go by in the theater. So I devoured everything I can, even back behind the scenes stuff about how those movies are made. I'm the kind of guy who, when he's into something and very passionate about it, he's going to go all in. It's why, well, you know, as a kid, when I started plowing my way through video games, starting with a Game Boy up until now with all the big major consoles. Just simply playing the games is not enough. I wanted to know what goes behind the minds of these creators. I wanted to understand the business behind it and, and talk into it some more and really understand more the creative process of making a game. And it really came to a head one day in 2017 somewhere when I was talking to my wife about potentially taking a class somewhere. And when, when I found out about playcrafting, she was the one who... You know, she could have easily said no and said, you know, hey, you know, you're, you're taking a lot of time out from other things you could be doing, you know, with, with family or friends or so on. But she was like, no, you don't do this now, Tim. You're going to regret it. And it totally changed my experience. I'm blessed to have my wife and, and push, push me to go in that direction. And it's, it's, it's something I'm grateful for ever since. Even if I have stumbled in, even if I have stumbled in keeping up with that, you know, I think it's a direction I don't want to give up. I just need to be obviously a little more intentional about letting you guys know what I'm doing in that and understanding that more. I'd love to hear your feedback too there. I mean, if you guys are out there in game dev and you've gone through those ruts where you either don't have the time or the energy or the, the will to plug yourself into the game dev stuff, what do you do? Do you take a break from it there? Do you take a like a retreat, sabbatical? Um, or try to focus on some other areas of your life to, to get back that focus in game dev. I would love to hear that uh, story from you guys as we head into 2019. I think it's important, not just for me, for my own sanity and well-being, but you know maybe you guys have gone through it too and uh, can share some tips about it. And I, I would love to hear that on the show, whether through the call-ins here on the Anchor app or if you want to write into me uh, through my email or my social media. I would love, love, love to hear your story. So yeah, that's my way of saying here that I'm still committed to the game dev and I definitely want to keep learning more about it. I don't know to what capacity and what cadence I can actually do it knowing all the work I do, but I continue to drive ahead and you know, I, I want to learn it. I just need to figure out the best way to approach it. So thank you guys for <laughs> thank you guys for bearing with me there for you know, burying my soul. Uh, it's just something I wanted to address with you guys because I'm for as long as I've had the show, I've always had that in the moniker of my intro of my shows. And you're probably wondering why I haven't really talked about it in the last six months. 
Just wanted to make sure that's out there so you guys understand. So until then, folks, I think that is all I have for 2018. A great year overall, even with some of the hiccups personally for me. But I am looking forward to 2019 and what gaming brings us next, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And until then, folks, thank you for everything. Thank you for listening to the show and subscribing. Uh, Just appreciate any new listener that comes in and gives a crap about some Joe Smith in the middle of nowhere has no experience working in the space and just listening to me talk here. Uh, your, your, your feedback and your listens are always greatly appreciated. So if you, as always, I mean, again, no pressure, but if you guys have anything you want to share or talk about with 2018 or with 2019 in general, all different ways to do it. You can go right into the Anchor app. If you have Anchor, look for Video Game Fury. There should be a call-in button there, and you can call into the show, give some feedback, and we'll have a discussion from there. Otherwise, other ways to write out to me, you can go to my email, which is simply tim at videogamefury.com. If you want to email me instead, you can also go to my Facebook at facebook.com slash videogamefury79. And even my Twitter, too, as well there. Uh, it's my personal Twitter, but I'm happy to take on topics there as well, which is just simply T Robinson T-R-O-B-I-N-S-O-N-7-9, if you want to reach out to me on Twitter. Until then, folks, this has been a great 2018. We're going to call it a wrap for the year. We will probably be back, maybe not tomorrow, New Year's Day, but probably the day after to look ahead to 2019 in the gaming space and see what is up next. Maybe me personally going to give some uh, some wishes I hope to see happen in gaming in 2019 as well. It'll be another great jam-packed show for you guys. Until then, folks, I hope you all have a great, happy, and most importantly, safe New Year's Just have fun out there. Don't go too crazy. Be safe out there. Until then, folks, this has been Tim, as always, here on Video Game Fury. I'll see you in 2019, and enjoy your games.